Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I'll bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, I am joined by Sinead Conley. Sinead is the founder of Lotus People, a specialist business support recruitment firm headquartered in Sydney, Australia with over 22 staff. Now, Sinead and I have known each other for a few years. She's She's been a client of Hoxo's since just after the pandemic. And I've watched her journey um, go from strength to strength. In this episode, we talked about her journey from Ireland to Australia as a backpacker, how she got into recruitment, and then how she launched her business within three and a half years of, of starting in the industry. She talks about the way she got uh, the, the support and backing from another firm to start the business, her original business partner and what happened there, and also how she went through bur- severe burnout after nine months of being a founder, to the point where she had to take three months out of the company, all whilst... As a pair, they build one million Australian dollars in the first year. So we explore this this journey between success and working ourselves to the bone as founders and as recruiters, to, and also the balance and why looking after yourself is actually really important. We always talk about well being; everyone's on about it at the moment. But this is a real life story of someone who's who's seen it firsthand and became bedridden because she worked too hard. <clears throat> now. Seven years later, she's won Recruitment Leader of the Year at the Seek Awards. She's got a really, really strong business. She's in a strategic CEO role where she can look at the business and isn't responsible for billing. Um, and that's the next phase. How did she get there and what is what does she have in store in the future? If you're a, a potential recruitment owner or an existing recruitment owner who is, one, looking to find balance and, two, looking to offload and become more strategic and make the business less reliant on your billings, then you need to listen to this episode. Okay, you're going to enjoy it, hopefully as much as I did recording it. Sinead is vulnerable, she's honest, she's confident. Um, she's a star in the industry and I, and, I, and I hope you enjoy every single second. So without further ado, Sinead, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thank you. It is good to be here. I feel like this is a little while in the making. You and I have gone back and forth and navigated no. time zones and here we are. Very happy I know, to be I know. here. I know. That was what my first comment was going to be. Sorry, it's taken so long. <laughs> I took it. It. My, it was actually my fault. I think with you being in Sydney and me being in a more glamorous location of Sheffield, um, uh, you know, <laughs> life uh, it, it can be difficult with life. And and we're yeah. talking eleven hours. So what? It's we're recording this at eight thirty UK, and it's what seven thirty PM your time. 
yeah, my brain's gone to bed. Like, God knows what garbage is going to come out of my mouth. Oh, but no. Yes. <laughs> not, no, no, no. If it's not making any logical sense, then it's my fault. I've done it too late. Yeah. Anymore. Blame the time. I blame you for moving over there anyway. But um, I know. Fair. <laughs> thanks, for thanks for taking the time out. Um, and obviously, I've done an intro, but I'd like for you to give us the... We'll go into the past and everything in a minute, but give us the yeah. bird's eye view of you and Lotus people right now. Yeah, for sure. So... Um, I am co-founder and director of Lotus. Um, I set the business up in 2015, which no doubt we will go into. Um, at the moment, we are a team of about 22. Um, we are business support and HR recruitment. Um, we are based out of Sydney and we're launching into Brisbane and opening an office there next month. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, very exciting times on the growth path. So how many did you say? 22? 22. 22. Yeah. Um, and, and how many years has it been? So it's it's been 2015. Test me. What's that? Seven, eight years this August. Seven, eight years. Yeah. Seven, eight years. Um, and you started the business. What was it? Three and a half mm -hmm. years into your recruitment career. That's, mm -hmm. yeah. that's pretty bold. That's pretty. I mean, I, yeah. I, I started my business in 2017. Right, it's a bit later than you. Mm -hmm. Um, having been in the game, I've been in recruitment seven, six, seven years. So it was. Um, I, I was probably ready earlier, as in mm -hmm. I had the skills to do something earlier. But I guess life got in the way and things but you're you know mm. to do that three and a half years in living in a foreign country that's that's bold mm. We're getting, so how did you end up in australia tell us that story because you're from dublin right yep yep born and bred in dublin um absolutely was not meant to settle in australia like didn't even have a working holiday visa leaving the country i was supposed really? to do a yep supposed to do a six-month trip i had it all booked with my friend from uni it was supposed to be southeast asia australia new zealand yeah, south yeah. america got as far as Asia and literally we were like this business of not being at home and traveling and being out of the world like this is a bit of us so at that point we were like look let's just get the one year and see what happens so um, I did the same thing what year was it you went it would have been 2010 yeah same I went in oh, really? it, it could have been in, like I was in I flew to India in November October 2010 and then we were in Thailand over New Year that year Oh my god, that's so funny! They're literally the same, um, the same months as well. Were we you in the Asia in that, that New Year? And yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was in Van that's Vieng so in Laos for Christmas. And yeah, then we went down to Koh Phangan for the full moon for New Year's Eve. Um, there you go. But yeah, I mean that time, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, it was. Yeah. What was that now? 12, 12 and a half years ago. Thirteen years. Yeah, I mean, it's bonkers. Yeah, Thirteen years ago. So I got the years in Australia. I got the years working holiday and didn't last as long. <laughs> you didn't yeah. have it. And you <laughs> Um, because what the, what, I don't know if you agree. I don't know if you agree with this though, but because I I had the plan to do Southeast Asia and in, and we flew October thirtieth and we landed in Melbourne early early March. The plan was a couple of weeks in Melbourne, up the East Coast, Darwin, Cairns, mm -hmm. all of that. We didn't plan on leaving Australia because we had the working holiday, but I, mm -hmm. I kind of thought I'd milk the travel bit as and not working mm -hmm. for as long as possible. But soon as we got to Singapore, which was like our last stop in Asia. Me and my mates were just sick of backpacking and we were like, we needed money again. We kind of felt a bit lazy. And so when we hit Melbourne, we we, we, we decided not to go anywhere. Was it yeah, similar okay. or different for you? No, it was actually the opposite. I think because we had planned and budgeted for this much larger trip right. and we had a thirst for from being going through Asia and kind of mm. backpacking and meeting loads of people. Um, when we flew into Australia, we flew into Cairns. And so we needed to get down one way or another. So we were very happy to get down via hostels and backpackers and, and do it that and I, way i think you've made you made the right 
the comment you made about yeah. the budget is the one I didn't I mean honestly yeah. the day I, the day I, I flew to India I had no money I had yeah, no okay. money I had the two grand overdraft no money in my current account um because I was waiting for my I was working as a teacher and, I, and I'd, I'd finished the school in July paid me till end of August and then I got let kept on for two months as a supply teacher and yeah. they didn't pay me till I was in India so I actually had no yeah, yeah. because we went out every week and drank and partied the week the year before yeah, yeah we, we left ourselves really short so by the time we got to Australia I was just in an overdraft I had nothing so that that might explain yeah. a bit of it well. that would be it yeah it depends on the circumstances how you land like for us we very much kind of knew that we wanted to see Australia first and get that bit out of the way and um my mom always says to this day she's like if I knew how long you were going to be gone I would have hidden your passport <laughs> I never would have let you go on that holiday because <laughs> it was only meant to be a holiday and then yeah, yeah here we are <laughs> so what happened then did you work your way and stop in Sydney or did you carry on a bit more or? so we did the whole east coast and um, we just went through Sydney went down to Melbourne wanted to do the farm work so that we could get the extra year yeah. visa did the farm work um, and I wanted to stay at that point we had made friends who had all settled I had friends from uni and everyone had settled in Melbourne right. um we stayed there for a summer we did a bit of um temp work in melbourne after we'd done the farm work and my friend basically had um so funny she had family in sydney and was like i'm going to sydney and i was kicking and screaming being like i don't want to go we've set up a life here why sydney why can't we stay in melbourne and she was like look i'm doing it either way that's where my family is and i was like right i'll come with you like we're doing this together um and I just obviously am madly in love with Sydney. The idea that I, mean, I ever would like not settled here is completely insane. Yeah, I, I think that's where I got it wrong again because I went from. <laughs> you should have done uh, my trip, Sean. <laughs> I could have been with you, shouldn't I? It was in, in Melbourne. <laughs> I remember being in Melbourne thinking it's a cool city, but it's just too European. Like it's not different enough mm-hmm. to warrant yeah. being 20, or 20 hours away. Totally. And the weather's not amazing. I mean, you get hot summers and you don't, it's never as cold, mm. but it, it does rain a lot. And it was a bit like. Yeah. You know, whereas my brother went and when I moved to London, he moved to Sydney and he got his passport and did five years. And then when I went to visit him, I thought, because he was in like Surrey Hills and I was just like, mm. if, I'd have, if I'd have gone there, I think I'd have ended up like you. I don't think I'd have come back. Yeah. Yeah. How funny. I know exactly what you mean. I brought my yeah. parents down to Melbourne recently and they said the exact same thing. They're like, it's a great city, but when you compare it to berlin or to amsterdam or to london yeah. or to any of the european cities it's like yeah it's a i'm not bagging at melbourne i love melbourne yeah. but comparatively when you're from sydney, the woods sydney's the aussie dream isn't it you go there you you wanted to go and live by the beach you wanted that culture and you get that in sydney you don't get that in, in melbourne you don't 100 percent. so yeah. so you settled in sydney and then yeah. is that when you got into recruitment or what yeah, so settled in Sydney and I came, I have a business degree. So all I had done was graduate from my business degree. I'd done about six months of office work to save up to go on the trip. And I got to uh, to Sydney and I just had drive. I had absolutely no idea what I was going to apply this drive to. I did not know what I was good at. I did not know what I wanted to do. Um, I had absolutely no idea what my strengths were or what my areas of interest were. It was like this bundle of energy that needed to be directed at something Mm. um and so as you do as a temp in sydney on the working holiday visa i just registered with a load of agencies and i remember just being interested in the process i was like oh these people are mostly from the uk and ireland and i was enjoying sort of meeting with them as i was meeting with them i was kind of sussing out their backstory trying to figure out what they'd done previously like i was just interested in that as a process um and on one of the, the, I think it was the last day of meeting a load of um, recruitment agencies, I met with one from my old agency. She actually ended up 
being my now best friend and also Lotus co-founder. Mm. Um, and she registered me and basically said, we've got a job here on reception. It's a six month job. Do you want it? And I oh, was so like, you went yes, in as a receptionist for the recruitment business. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so started as a receptionist, did three months on reception, was like a meerkat. The entire time I was on reception, I was like taking in everything, just like this is fascinated by it all. Like every single candidate who'd come in and I'd put in a room because obviously back then it was putting people in rooms rather than jumping on a a Zoom. how old does that make us? Every single candidate I would come through. And they had a massive lobby and like, yeah, you'd get a little call from the reception. Like, yeah, like mix in the in, in room number six for you. Like, yeah, like all right. Literally. Come in with a little folder with his CV and yeah. bumpy. <laughs> the old days. I have some of my team who literally say, I can't believe you used to have candidates come into the office. How mind-blowing is that? Does that like, not happen at all anymore then? Not for, like I mean, we meet people. We go and you place them. You go for coffees, and yeah. you, but like the process of bringing them into the office no. with your forms that you print out and like talking them through and assessing what they're wearing, like all of that is completely mad, obviously out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Completely mad. Um. So so yeah. When I was on reception, I'd literally get um put people in rooms, and I would like type up summaries about them of what I thought based on reception. And I think they must have been like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take you, <laughs> we'll take you through. So I was receptionist for three months. I was um, a, a team admin supporting the temp team for about three months. And then they decided to sponsor me as a resourcer. Um, and, and yeah, I was kicking and screaming, becoming a consultant. I did not want to do sales. I had so many drunken conversations over wine on Friday nights with my colleagues, with senior people in the business being like, I just don't think I'm a salesperson. Like, it's just not for me. I don't think I'd be good at it. And as I sat next to Laura and kind of absorbed people who do it really, really well in a really relationship-driven style, I was like, I can't do what I think the job is, but I can do that. Yeah, I can build really strong relationships. I can do it that way. Did you perform well as a resourcer, though? Were you enjoying that bit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I I have a good work ethic. Like, my issue is that I like anyone who obviously owns their own business, like I will flog myself. Like my issue now, however many years later, in the journey that has been this container of learning in running a business, it's always like pulling back from the flogging so that I don't break myself because I don't have the same level of energy as I used mm. to. <laughs> I can relate yeah. to that. It, but it's crazy because it's, it's amazing how quickly like in, in certain industries or firms in recruitment, when you put on candidates first, you do put clients on this pedestal as being completely different, mm-hmm. don't you? Like, yeah. But realistically, it, it's not. I mean, if you sat there cold calling for seven hours a day, yeah, it's a different job and it, it's, it's pretty brutal. Mm. But if you're doing it in a way that you probably did it, which is being yourself mm. and engaging with people and building mm. relationships, I mean, they're, they're all the same. I remember sitting in in, in the lobby of a, of a client in Randstad in, in Melbourne with, a, with an American guy, Joe Martinez, and he said to me, I, I was literally shaking going into this meeting. It was like my second client meeting. He goes, <laughs> And he just said, remember this, the client puts their trousers on the same way you do. And I went, <laughs> what? I was like, what does that mean? He goes, because every morning they get out of bed, they put the trousers on just like yeah. you. They're no better than you. They're no worse than you. They wear, they, they, they're, they're, they're equal. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And, and I still remember that now. Yeah. Um, so how did your career take off? How did, what was the trajectory like over the three and a half years? Is it, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Detail, but how would you no, no, describe no. Um, your career in that firm? It's funny you say that about about that client and and that reminder. I genuinely think my beginning of my career is just the word that I would use to describe it is just fear. I was so afraid. (laughs) I was like, 
afraid of my own shadow, just like heads down, like afraid to say boo, like just mm. working hard, like smashing workout. Like I would have been a dream employee in the sense that they say jump, I would have gone how high. Mm. Um, I literally would have just been like introverted heads down, just powering through work. Um, but that's what it was. I think working next to Laura and we'll, we'll go into kind of Laura. She's, she features a lot throughout the journey of, of Lotus and, and my journey. Um, but working next to her, like she's unbelievable, like unbelievable in how she works, unbelievable in her approach. And I am a sponge to this day. I'm still a sponge. Mm-hmm. I love surrounding. I was listening to Simon from Precision on your podcast yeah. and him saying how he surrounds himself by, <clears throat> by, um, experts I love to do the same thing like I know that I am never the smartest person in a room and I will the the day that I stop learning from people like the business is going to just get into a rut so I think for me sitting next to Laura absorbing her having good leaders in the business at the time um I was just a sponge soaking it all up so look it, it built a good temp desk um very much got into a place of um knowing building confidence and just knowing that hey between me and laura like we are yin and yang but between mm. the two of us we're building this amazing little kind of um dynamic and this this amazing kind of team and energy and that was kind of what we then packaged on to to package to bring into lotus so was yeah it was with you yeah 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 so you two two yeah. were you, but were you like top performers the, the pair of you in that yeah we were we built yeah we built good temp desks um we i think at the time like many every business goes through it's um kind of peaks and troughs and at the time towards the point of us leaving there was quite a bit of turnover um there were people kind of coming and going and i think we Mm -hmm. sort of held true to knowing that what we have and i think some of the the decisions were being made are just various different things we were kind of coming up against it and pushing up against it um and so whilst we knew that we were kind of contributing and and doing really well um we were just kind of reaching a point where it was feeling like that wasn't the right environment for us to do when did you know what what happened what was the final straw that made you guys and what was this can you take us back to when you first went look we're going to do this yeah 100 percent. i'm so future focused in how my brain works honestly going into the past i'm like whoa this is uncharted territory um okay so what happened was we were approached by someone that laura knew and he said to us um basically love what you guys are about I will invest in you to set up your own business and set up your own agency and that planted the seed so he was always trying to hire Laura he was always trying to get her across she kind of said look we come as a package we come as a pair um and he basically said I'll I'll put in the and it was so loose like I think we had a one page um word document business plan that might have even had images on it <laughs> like it was really really loose it was not in any way a considered strategy um, but that planted the seed that fell through he fell through um it, he was never going to be the right person and mm. it just didn't work um but it it just started I think sooner than we probably would have got there ourselves it just started the ball rolling um so that is when we decided so Laura went and got married um we both finished up at our last agency um, and we basically were in a situation where after both being in Europe for a few months, we came back and we were unemployed and we said, right, how are we going to do this? We knew exactly what we wanted. We kind of got to a certain stage with him. Like, I think we'd had engaged a branding agency. We had the name, we had the branding. Like, I think we'd done, right. I know we'd done a bit of the foundation groundwork. Um, but what we did was we actually engaged a couple of rec to recs and we went to market as a duo. And we had about eight meetings over the course of a couple of weeks. And 
half of them wanted us to set up Lotus as a division and just like latch on to their business and do office support um, as a division. And the other half said, look, we, we don't need, our grants don't need to be confused, be your own business, um, be your own entity and we'll provide sort of office and shared services. And um, that is how we ended up doing it. So that was the most insane couple of weeks of like going on all these meetings. Why did you need that? I mean, I, I think it's a great move to go that way, but yeah. why didn't you just do it all yourself? Yeah, it's funny. Someone asked me that recently and it honestly didn't really cross our minds. One, financial reasons, like yeah. we didn't necessarily. I think it all happened very quickly um, with the first guy that really propelled us into something that like it wasn't us sitting around making these grand plans, planning for it, like looking at sort of how the next couple of years are going to go. Like we really like we were at the time, I think, 26 and 28. Right. Um, and so there was a lot of naivety and yeah, enthusiasm yeah. and energy and just like, um sort of in how we approached it it wasn't like you'd sat there and planned it for years and saved you money see i think my it's like my my approach to launching launching hoxo was more probably like your approach to building the to going traveling like i had the budget i had it all saved and i didn't whereas i wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to update you on what it is i actually do all day apart from the rag podcast of course now Most of you know from the episodes that I am the founder of Hoxo, right? What you probably don't know is that we're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies and over 4,000 of their recruiters around the world in every continent and helping these businesses brand themselves and the people in the company better. Now, we have built a creative team over the last six years that helps manage the creation of new agency brands. Obviously, a lot of the listeners in the rag starting their businesses uh, for the first time but more often than not we rebrand tired companies so many businesses we work with are smashing it when it comes to revenue and performance but their website and their online story was built back when they started for like 500 quid and it just does not represent who they are today so we believe getting that right becomes your building a brand becomes your anchor now every good brand also needs traffic right you need people to see it to come to the website see you online and that's where your people come in so we work to either manage the personal brands of your team or we can teach you how to build the brand yourselves all of it is designed to give you consistency on linkedin that helps you stand out from the competition show your personality show and add value and ultimately make more money now I personally speak to potential new customers along with my business partner, Amma. So I would love to spend some time with you, my rag listeners that I potentially don't even know yet. Any of you that are interested in building a brand that's fit for purpose in 2023 and beyond, come and speak to us. Just click the link in the show notes, fill in the form, and we will be in touch with you within 48 hours to book a 30 minutes video call ASAP. Right, back to the show. To be honest, I planned the the traveling trip for two years, but... Yeah, financially didn't even cross my mind. I might need some money for it. Um, yeah, but, it, it, but in a business, you know, I can see that. I think if if you we had me and Amar had about two, possibly nearly three years of talking and planning and thinking about, and then we ended up changing the plan in the last minute anyway. We didn't even do the mm. business plan. But what that meant was we, you know, we 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 bought a house and then we saved and saved and saved. And we thought about it all the time. Um, mm. but but like you, you've had like a, it's, it's almost like been forced upon you. A conversation changes your mind. Yeah. You're not yeah. in that place to, you, you've not got that time. So you, you go and lead. And who did you choose to work with when you, when you went in, out in, and partnered with an organization? 
So it was sustainability consulting. Um, they were tech and finance recruiters. Um, we had so many meetings. Some of them were just so corporate and um, kind of we knew that it would be a work version of ourselves. And some of them were like these tech recruiters who were just like all standing up in the office listening to techno yeah. and <laughs> EDM. And that was just so far the other way. And we met the guys and everything about it. I think our biggest driver in selecting a partner was that we wanted to be able to be authentic business support recruitment even 13 years ago was still stockings in the heat of summer heels in front of clients you can't go anywhere without your blazer you have to have a blazer on the back of the chair um like all of these silly sort of I guess notions or ideas of what it is to be a business support recruiter. And it's just not us. Laura's covered no. in tattoos. We are just like, so, so, so she always wanted to dye her hair pink and she was always told no. <laughs> and it was just, it was one of those things. Where we were, yeah, exactly. Um, but we were going to like ad agencies dressed in a suit and people would be like in tech companies and people would be like, who are these absolute numpties? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think for, us like being authentically able to just come to work and create and that was a huge driver of culture as well back when that's what culture is now but 13 mm. years ago it wasn't like it just wasn't what was a main yeah. driver of people yeah. um kind of looking for for culture and work that it was ping pong balls and and friday night drinks and that was kind of all culture was at that point if you had yeah, a good yeah. culture um, so that was a huge driver. So when we met the guys from sustainability, um, they were two of the founding directors. And at the time, um, they literally were about to bring on two um, good friends of theirs who had come from another IT recruitment agency as leaders. And they basically became a four. And right. so that they started at the exact same time as us. And that propelled their growth. And then Lotus and our energy and what we were doing, um, our growth was sort of um, yep. happening as well. So it all worked really well. Where's the name Lotus from? What's the story behind that? So Lotus people. So we were sitting on a beach in Sydney with uh, my ex, who was a branding strategist, which was really handy. Wow. Um, and we were <laughs> throwing around ideas and essentially even going and meeting all of these people. Like we were so certain of what we wanted the business to be. And that has never wavered. Like to this day, everything about what Lotus stands for has been consistent from before the business even started, before inception, the lotus flower is um, essentially in Buddhism that means kind of rising, rising through the mud. Um, like that's the actual kind of Buddhist association. Yep. But what we meant by that was we wanted to be in the forefront of the industry. We wanted to revolutionize candidate experience. We wanted an agency that treated candidates, clients, people within the team with the same level of care and experience and um, kind of have that heightened experience that isn't necessarily a standard in our industry. And that is something that to this day, we are kind of acknowledged for and awarded for and, and known for. Um, and so we have very, very, very strong focus on service. Um, and we really wanted to increase and improve the standards of the industry when it came to service. And so that that lotus is the the rising above and the um, growing through the mud. Amazing. Love it. I had a feeling it'd be relating to that. But <laughs> well, to take us back Something to the time hippie. you start, take us back to day one of the new business. And, you, you know, you... You're walking into an office that's already set up, I believe. Is two mm -hmm. of you. What was mm -hmm. you'd been away in Europe? You said so. I imagine you'd burnt through a bit of your non-compete period, but yeah. you must have, you must have still had a bit of time where you had to be careful. What was it like in those early days? Because the yeah. amount of people that start up off, who are listening to this show, yeah, and 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 this is the number one question they always ask me is like, you know, what's it really yeah. like? You know, what am I? What can I expect? I think COVID 
give people a little window into what it what it's like being at home yeah. on your own and working. Yeah. So maybe not as many yeah. questions since COVID, but tell us about your experience. Yeah, 100%. Look, the enthusiasm, the energy, when I think back on like those few weeks, like all I can do is smile, like pushing post on the LinkedIn post. Yeah. Um, and we, to be fair, we did a lot of work around um, the networks that we had. Like Laura's from the UK, she's from Reading, I'm from Dublin. Like we don't have this massive, massive network to be able to pull from. What worked so well for us, and I'll speak more about the partnership with sustainability, but what worked so, so well for us in that partnership and has done throughout it was the ability to leverage their client base. So what we did and what our, our kind of strategy was, was spend three months or so, however long we had left, um, absolutely going ham on their client base. And so that's what we did. We got introductions. Um, we just, again, we knew as soon as we started that we were going to be the ones to generate work. All we <laughs> needed was lists. All we needed was people to call. And we were going to absolutely smash that out of the park. It with your um, business model as well, like business support. You can kind of work with anyone, can't you? As long as they've got support. It's not like you're not, you're not like only tech companies or whatever. You're like, as long as there's a they've got a need for business support. So you could go into a new company yeah. and just go after their clients and yeah. and you're quite confident as long as they're a certain size that they're gonna have some form of requirement, right? Yeah. And the thing with business support as well, like I know that there are agencies who only do receptionists, admin, team assistants, PAs, like we don't do, we do everything. We're so generalist, like as long as it's not yet yeah, tech or like something that's way out of our wheelhouse, like we will, we, like we do everything and we're specialists. We've split it by industry specialists. So right. the team that work in education, they'll do all of the education support for colleges and unis and like all these really industry specific roles. So for us, it was, you're exactly right. It was just a case of go ham um, on, on all of these businesses. So we did that and we just filled our diary. My God, the two of us, honestly, even at the beginning, um, we were like, we're not even gonna, I don't know where this notion came from. We were like, we're not even gonna get taxis to be environmentally friendly. We're gonna cycle everywhere. <laughs> and so we were cycling around the CBD, cycling oh, wow. around the surrounding suburbs to and from meetings. And I think on the way to one meeting on a Friday when we had probably about, and we went on every meeting together, we wouldn't split meetings. We'd only, we're like, it's always the two of us. Like the, mm. the energy of Lotus is the two of us. One of us yeah. can't be missing. Um, the guys at one point were like, would it make more sense timing wise for you to split the meetings? And we were like, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but I remember once cycling to a meeting on a Friday afternoon and then maybe got run over by a truck. I was like, Laura, we're going to need to <laughs> reconsider this approach. <laughs> I mean, Sydney's um, probably a better city for it than somewhere like London. I mean, I remember, I remember my when I was in recruitment in London, the firm, the firm talked about the ride to work scheme where, you know, you got, they paid for your bike pretty much. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And I lived in Clapham, which is one road into central London. It's about 20 minutes cycling. Literally the week I said yes, someone got killed outside my office. A woman got hit by a, by a bus. Oh, God. And uh, we saw the police. We didn't see the woman, but we saw the police, like, convoy and everything. Oof. And I just had no chance. Like, not in London. No yeah. no, no way on, on earth am I doing it with those buses and the no. way they drive around there. But Sydney's a beautiful Honestly, place. Sydney's the better. I can imagine it was quite fun in looking back. Yeah, no, it was. It was. But I think very soon and very quickly, we realized that we needed to maximize time. Like we were honestly meeting, doing meetings all day, every day. And we'd start recruiting at 5 p.m. Yeah. Like it was How quick classic. did you make money? How fast were you like making money and profit? Very, very, yeah. very quickly. I'd say in the first year, oh, this might, I might be making this up. But I think in the first year, we billed a million. Wow. Um, in the first year. And that was just the two of us. Like we, I think at that point, we'd maybe had a resource. So like we were just... Wow. 
lying. Like it was. What do you do at the end of the year? How do you feel when you've done that? Tell I'll tell you. You're doing farm work. Four years before you're doing farm work, and then you build a million pounds. Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you how I felt because after about nine months I completely burnt out oh, wow. I ended up having to take three months out of the business because I my nervous system was frazzled because oh, we had no. been working all of these days like literally starting work at 5 p.m ordering dinner to the office like literally doing the recruitment at night and the meetings and the promotion in the day and when I think about it now I'm like I don't actually I mean to be fair I was going to say I don't know how I survived but I barely did um and so I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome it was adrenal burnout um oh, wow. it was just absolutely it was horrendous like it was honestly the most scary experience like everything about it was just horrendous and it was purely a symptom of overload just doing a million things and Laura as well she's an absolute powerhouse but she powerhouse but she's got ADHD recently diagnosed in the last few years and so she can move in this like hyper productive hyper focused way um and I'm like running along the side her <laughs> trying to keep up um but even her like she had gone through personal things herself um she'd had unfortunately a couple of grandparents die in the UK she was going through a breakup and so I think our first year was a real sort of um it was just really sort of two contrasting things in that we had all of this amazing success and it was doing exactly as we wanted. We'd reached out to every single one of our connections on LinkedIn before the days of automation, every single one of them. And so much work came off the back of that. So many meetings came off every single direct message to every single connection we've made over the past four years. Um, we had booked all these meetings through the sustainability consulting guys, our non-competes kicked in. So we had all of those to go at, um, or they ended or whatever, however you phrase it. Um, and so it was all of this amazingness. And then on the flip side, Laura was managing the business for me for three months without me being there. I had to just, I was honestly, at some point I was bed bound. I was absolutely run into the ground. It was the scariest thing I've ever been through in my life. My parents were worried sick. Um, and Laura, bless her, she was running the whole thing for me in my absence. And when I got back, probably a couple of months after I got back, she was like, I can't do this anymore. And so unfortunately, uh, at that point, through everything that was going on uh, and many, many conversations, she decided to leave the business. Um, wow. And there was many reasons for why that happened, many of which I've just touched on. Mm. Um, but I think for her, she just needed needed space, needed needed a break. It was starting. It was this crazy startup monster and it was doing so well. And, oh, my God, we were just along for the journey. We were just being pulled by the the kind of um, upward trajectory of it, which was amazing. But I think within it, we both just pulled ourselves, like we dragged ourselves along and we just really sort of got to a point where we were like, okay, crap, this is, yeah, this is, we're going to have to start looking after ourselves. So wow. Laura left the business about a year and, let's say, a year and three months after so once we started. You'd, once you'd come back and settled, she was like, look, I've got, and what happened? What did she do next? So she's had an amazing journey as well. She's a serial entrepreneur. She runs now a, well, she's on maternity leave at the moment with a little uh, six week old, um, but she runs a training consultancy. She um, runs um, a, like a, a 
strategy business with somebody else as can called wow. Humescope. Um, so she does a few things within the recruitment industry, but she set up a number of businesses. And I think at the time, actually, she, the timing was that she left and went into yoga teaching. So she did yoga teaching Sounds. for a couple of years before getting back into recruitment. Sounds it very... broke us. It really did. Yeah. Well, my, my brother in Sydney, like he set up the company called The Drive Group. Have you ever heard of him in Sydney? And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. So he was a serious technology. And then he set up The Drive Group, very similar time to you. I think it would be the same year as you. And then a year in, he, he literally he had a meltdown, basically. He had burnt mm. out. He, he had to go. He went, my parents were in India. He went and met him. And then he, oh. he left the business about a year and they, they did a million in year one. It sounds very similar. He left, came oh, to the wow. UK. He came to the UK. Then he launched a marketing business for the fitness industry, like something completely different because he loved the gym in that period to get himself back. Mm. Yeah. And he kind of copied what I was doing but in Hoxo, but for the fit. And then he, glue, and then he mm. grew a seven-figure business with a global team, 500 studio gyms all over the world, you know, F45 in Sydney and yeah. he was speaking at conferences and then he burnt out again and then he, he shut the whole thing down after covid and now he's yoga mindfulness coach and it sounds wow, very similar, similar so yeah. similar yeah yeah it's it's not some people and again it's maybe the adhd nature or whatever some people yeah. do jake was one of them when he, he got obsessed with things he, he'd worked so mm -hmm. hard it was always going to be successful but at the detriment of himself i always found yeah. i think i've always been better with balance than him and Mm. I've maybe not been as successful as fast in my career, but it's kind of been a bit more yeah. of a longer term play. Um, but yeah. we all struggle with that. So, so after yeah. after Laura left the business and you've just recovered from from what you've been through, how did the next period go? Like, what happened next? I think for me that was the most pivotal experience because one, I had this newfound respect for my health and for balance. And I bring that into the business and we have so many wellness initiatives and it's yeah. not just a tick box. I genuinely, genuinely mean it naturally. And I hire seniors and, and leadership into the business who feel the same way. So um, it's naturally influenced how I run the business and how I show up as a leader. Um, and I think with regards to um, kind of what happened next, it was, obviously looking after like for me totally reframing kind of how how I lived and how I approach things but then also just honestly dealing with the biggest crisis of confidence like she was always two years um she's two years older than me she was always more experienced than me she's the extrovert I'm the introvert we're yin and yang we always complimented each other and it did genuinely feel like part of like a leg just got taken away like, like we even to this day like we are the closest of friends and it, we we are yin and yang our brains just work so well together mm. and at the time I was just struggling so much with imposter syndrome and what? with confidence issues and like can I do this there was a team yeah I think we had oof probably at that point five or six um and they were fab they were divine they were you got this you can do this but again I was like what 27 like yeah battling my own confidence issues and um I think for me the fact that I am an introvert that's been like the biggest journey of like really coming to terms with that in such an extroverted industry it wasn't it? Mm. until I read um Susan Cain wrote a book called Quiet which is about introverts in an extroverted in an extroverted world and when I read that book it was like the biggest light bulb moment of self-acceptance and oh my god I'm not broken because that's how I felt I felt like yeah. I was broken and being an introvert in this industry is a superpower. You approach bet, yeah. things in such a different way. 
there's such a lens on things that I have that's different to my wonderful extroverted pals. Um, mm. And so it, it really was at that time trying to just get, and, and the guys from sustainability were unbelievable. They were so supportive and they, we've always run the business separately in that the support has been advisory and support from a sense of particularly um, Martin, one of the guys it's been emotional support and been support in how you would want support. They've never yeah. been micromanagers. They've never been sort of hands-on getting involved in things. You need to do this this year. You need to do that. Like they would have been a dream um, in terms of how it was all structured. So I knew they were there and I knew they were a support, but also I had to step into my own shoes and say I've got this and that took a while that definitely definitely took a while and all the while the business is still growing we still have such a strong sense of what we're trying to achieve we have such a strong sense of what we're about still growing still hiring good people still getting used to Laura not being there but still going from strength to strength so that was when was that about 2016 2017 yeah so that's I remember that when I started so you start obviously you're leaning on the sustainability guys you're you're working on your own you know your own balance um was it was it a linear journey of growth from that point and it felt quite consistent and and have you managed to consistently keep yourself in a good place or have you struggled Mm -hmm. again at times with with that burnout and different things that could happen no, my, I knew after that, because I pushed myself so far to the brink, I knew I would never go back there. And I remember the, coming back initially and the guys saying, I think maybe we should hire a sales manager. Do you think we should hire someone senior? Um, like, we can't, you're now a risk, essentially. They didn't yeah. say that, but what they were thinking was, the extroverted one's gone and we've got this other one who seems to be sick <laughs> all the time. <laughs> should we hire someone more senior to run the business? Um, and it was a very quick conversation because I genuinely knew hand on heart. I said, guys, I will never get there again. And I never have. And I still am very conscious and cognizant and aware of my health and my balance um, and that of the teams. But I will never, ever, ever get back there because it was just yeah. complete and utter rundown from hyperactivity, doing so much and working so What differences so, so have hard. you made? Like, what's more, if you're going to talk about like, tangible change what have you done differently since that has enabled you to to maintain that balance really listening to the signals in my body so if it's a and of course we still get them because i still run a business like i still have manic weeks and manic days Mm. but my biggest learning over the last however long lotus seven eight years is always about energy preservation it's like how do i manage this week how do i manage this day and every single year i get better and better at doing it but at the time and now it's about how am i how am i responding to that that's too many things in a day i feel shattered okay pull it back next week or the next day it can't be that busy and for me particularly my burnout comes when I'm doing all extroverted tasks. If I'm in meetings every single day, and I can be, my diary some weeks can be meetings from 8 a.m. on Monday through to 5 p.m. on Friday. And I've had times where I've been, particularly after COVID, really hands-on, really busy recruiting, really busy setting up new desks and divisions and like really being in a hands-on recruitment role. And that's so draining. I love it. I'm Mm. all about connection. I'm all about people. But my God, it breaks me now because it's pure, pure extroversion. And it isn't, you're not able to balance it because the role I'm in now, I'm in an amazing strategic role where I get to oversee and I can manage that in a much better way. If I'm recruiting, it's like externalized, extrovert, extrovert, extrovert. And I have to then 
be able to try and balance that so that I don't burn myself out. But yeah, mm. it's it's still a still a work in progress. But I have come leaps and bounds from even year on year on year. So what at what point did you start coming off being a recruiter after that change? When did you start, and what did you do to to build that infrastructure around you as a business? Because again, that's one of the biggest yeah. things that I get. So many companies never break past ten. They never get because yeah. what because the owner or the founder will typically be the rainmaker forever, and they'll mm-hmm. they'll never get off that. You know, it's all about me. So what what have you done, and how did you become more strategic? So what we this is very new this role I'm in my dream job at the moment and that's very very new like literally in the last sort of three months or so um, I think at the time what I'd done was been able to hire people that were very close friends who I'd worked with previously so we had one team manager come in she managed a team we had Michelle come in she's since moved back to New York and um, we had Michelle Barrett come in um, she um, was uh, has done incredibly well she's now an associate director at, Lon- uh, at Lotus London um, at Lotus and so we've had we had really good people in the business senior people who I trusted who I knew in the business so that helped us to grow because they were sort of um, Sarah was hiring underneath her and so that was helpful um, what we haven't really touched on is COVID. So the business was going in the upward trajectory. I was still recruiting. I was still involved. Um, I probably had a resourcer for most of um, my time post burnout. So that naturally takes a lot of um, the sort of day-to-day away, which is extremely helpful. Um, But COVID is really when all of the, the changes, like we were just upward trajectory, cracking on, lovely team, growing, adding a couple of people. Um, I think we're probably at 12 people as COVID hit. And then as we came out of COVID, sort of January 2021, I think we were at six people. So we really had a 2.0, massive, massive, like most agencies have, but a massive, massive 2.0 post-COVID. And COVID was so hard. Mm. <laughs> it was really, really tough. Interrupting today's episode for a message from our sponsor, Vincere. Now, the year of 2022 was amazing for Vincere and recruiters were a huge part of it. Check out their new microsite, which is a scroll down memory lane and a real thank you to the community that worked with Vincere. The link is www.vincere.io forward slash year hyphen in hyphen review hyphen 2022. Link in the show notes. If you're a Vincere customer, I think this is amazing that they're, they're calling you out and giving you the credit. If you're not a Vincere customer, you probably should be. Give it a look. Right, back to the show. What would you out take us back to COVID? Because I remember, you know, the market was booming at February 2020. I mean, it was just globally. It was felt like this big, big pivotal time where, you know, I remember speaking to clients. Everyone was in a good space. And, you know, before we knew it, the world changed. In Australia, I know Melbourne was hit severely with the first lockdown. But you guys were, you know, they took they took lockdown to a... To a real level in, in Australia and the, you know the state borders and all sorts what was it like for you going through that it was really really hard it was really intense I actually um, was doing a course with UCLA in LA and I decided to fly my sister over who lived in London and so she and I met I think the course started on the 12th of March uh, 2020 and as I landed in LA um, all of the, the um, TV cameras all over LAX said that universities were closing. That was the first thing to happen. So I knew as soon as I landed that the course wasn't going ahead. My sister was still flying over. So we just had like, honestly, it was just a weekend heading into the apocalypse. We had cousins over there. We caught up with them each night. 
more and more things were closed. It was starting to feel like a ghost town. And in the end, um, uh, we ended up moving our flights, obviously, to come home a few days earlier. Mm. She ended up almost, she missed her flight. Her flight got cancelled and she ended up, had to stay over somewhere for a night. One of the team, Lana, she literally had to sort my sister out with trying to get on another flight so that she wasn't trapped in LA. So like that was already stressful. I got on my flight, got a call from Martin from sustainability. And he said, look, this is what we've decided to do. This is our plan of action. We're making redundancies. We're standing down non-billers. This is what we're doing. Obviously do what you need to do with your business, but this is what we need to do. So I hung up that call, spent the next 10 hours on my flight back from LA, knowing that when I landed in Sydney, I was going to need to stand people down and let people go. And at that point, we weren't talking about furlough. We weren't talking, we were talking redundancy. Like that was the conversation that was happening. And so I literally landed in Sydney, got another call from Martin. Yep, we're having the conversations today. It was 8 a.m. I was standing, I'll never forget it, waiting for my baggage, hung up the call and just started crying, being like, I cannot believe that this is literally what I'm coming back to. Went to my house. I was two weeks. They hadn't implemented hotel isolation, but I was two weeks in my house and I'm on on my own. So I live in my house Mm. um, on my own, two weeks of isolation. Um, in the house and I literally spent that day on zoom opening the laptop having to let some of my like people who'd been there for years people in non-billing roles had to make them redundant and it was probably one of if not the hardest day of my life it was absolutely Mm. fucking horrendous Um, and so and then we went into COVID and so sustainability sustainability since then invested in um, two other women who did the exact same sort of setup and structure one was digital recruitment and the other was healthcare recruitment. So three of those businesses in COVID boomed, healthcare, tech, digital, they all did amazingly well. And for six months from March till October, Lotus was barely breaking even and only breaking even because of the government support. We were on four days a week. Um, we were every job that came through, pretty much the whole business worked on. It was really tough. We were pushing the consultants to do more BD. It was just, which they hadn't really been used to doing. So it was really, really, really hard. I honestly got to the end of that time. First of all, the business was struggling. That was hard in itself. But then also the borders, like my best friends and I, we would meet up and go for our socially distanced walks and we would just cry about the Mm. fact that we couldn't get home to our parents. Like the reason I live so far away and the reason I've justified being able to live so far away is because I always go back always see them always going back and forward a couple of times a year I spent three months there in 2021 I spent two months there in 22 my parents are here at the moment for a whole year um so I we we keep the the closeness and the proximity and that was absolutely excruciating to the point where like even thinking about it now I can feel it in my tummy and my heart of how much it hurts like it was horrible um, well aware that there was so many people going through kind of separations and there was illnesses and death. So we didn't have yeah. it as bad as that. But um, yeah, that was really bloody difficult. So yeah, that those six months, I got to the end of it and genuinely I had run out of steam. It was like leadership and like showing up and we did so much from a value add perspective. We lent into where can we add value? We did similar to what you did with the podcast. And we did so many webinars. We did mm. So much supportive candidates we did we ran this one day summit which was like an entire online conference for free which had like rotating kind of webinars and round tables and we just like we did so much and it was a fascinating realization for me of how much i loved doing that type of work but also nothing we were doing was resulting in any income so it was yeah. a really really tough situation so 
I got to the end of that and honestly coming into January 2021 I was like I don't I'm out of steam I don't know if I can do this anymore I don't know if I can go back to startup mode and rebuild this thing I am absolutely empty and my mental health has suffered and I've been so anxious and I'm so sad at being separated and so I genuinely was just like I don't know if I can do this again and then I decided I could <laughs> and um, I hired David Drew, who yeah. came on initially as an associate director. He then was promoted to general manager at the end of last year to director. And he has just been unbelievable. He's yeah. just been my co-pilot he's been, in he's growing been, the business. Because we've obviously worked with you since the end, that middle yeah. of 20, Was it 21 or 22? It was 21, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was because yeah, I was at yeah. my brother's place in, in Manchester when I, I remember I spoke to you and it was like really sunny morning and I, you know, I was going through all sorts of stuff at that point. Um, but David has been, you know, he's just rock solid, isn't he? He's just really, he's just, he's, he's just like that, almost like a cuddly kind of guy. Like whenever you yeah. talk to him, deal with him, just get confidence that he'll sort stuff out. So I think uh, sometimes you he's get those hires that just change things. And he, you know, he's, he's done a great job for you guys. 100% and you're right he's rock solid he's calm I remember the first phone conversation it happened so quickly I had a phone conversation with him and his energy and where I was at at the moment his energy was like a bam mm. we had a FaceTime then a Zoom the next day we had a quick chat about a business plan and honestly I think the whole thing was over within 24 hours and where he wow. was at and what he had been through and his business hadn't handled COVID from a people perspective and I was coming at everything yeah. with such a people-centric approach and I was coming at it from heart because I was a place of heart because I was just so shattered and run down like we were just met each other in such an authentic way and so he has been absolutely crucial and then of course like the the people some of the team who were not salespeople would have done well in a market that was grand didn't want the job of kind of cold calling bd consultant in a tough market they went to internal roles and they all got amazing jobs and that was fine yeah. but we were a really small team and Dave has just been absolutely um, crucial in, in building the business up. So the growth has, where we're at now, it is a 2.0. It is a total rebuild mm. um, from the end of COVID. And COVID was this very clear delineation between that was a version of Lotus and this is an entirely new version of Lotus. Amazing. And mm. <laughs> last year, I think it was last year, you won, you won the award. You won an award, didn't you? For Was it recruitment? Mm -hmm owner of the year or recruitment leader of the year what tell us about that award because you were yeah. I remember you emailed us like you, you you were so surprised that you weren't expecting it it was um yeah it was honestly shocking it was yeah seeks um recruitment leader of the year and look to be a finalist was amazing I think for me I think how we I need to figure out how to wear this without sounding arrogant. How we handle COVID. I'm so proud of how we handle COVID. I'm so proud of how we showed up. I am so proud of the team. I'm so proud of the rebuild. I'm so proud of the people that I hired and how I felt about the recruitment leader of the year and what I said to the team when they said, you've got this, it's going to be yours. I said, no, guys, what we put in there, it was before because they'd been pushed out a year because of COVID. Like it, there was something to do with the timings. And I was like, right. what went in there? It was like, that, that was before all of this it was before the rebuild it was like so maybe next year like maybe next yeah, year before yeah, yeah, i'd even yeah. done it i was like maybe next year maybe we've done enough next year like maybe at that point we can kind of go okay we've we've really built this back up and there's evidence there's evidence and and we can kind of show financials and and maybe next year that can be when we win it so i genuinely 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 didn't think based on the time period and the time frame that there was enough in there for for there to be a win but apparently yeah. they did 
And so that was amazing. That was a really, and you can like, whether it's the video of me winning, no matter what it was, there was such shock. Like I did not, and you never expect to win those yeah. things, but also, um, yeah, it was a, a lot of shock. It was a fun night. It's nice though, to be rewarded and recognized for the, the hard work. Please. And it, you know, it's been an up and down journey for you for those years, but just to get that yeah. industry recognition is brilliant. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of where you are now, and you talked about mm-hmm. this dream job, what what needs to be in the business for you to have that job? And I, again, I want I want some advice here for other founders that are, that aren't in a strategic role that are completely chained to the to the desk. How would you mm. describe, or what would you how, how would you advise people to get to a position where? And I know it's only new for you, so you don't want to sound like you've you've conquered it yeah, all. Yeah, but yeah. You, you have got you've got to a position where other people are running things and you, you know, you have got mm. that you're working on the business tell us about it and, and how people could perhaps do something similar. I think it's a really, I think for any founder, it is a, a really fine line between trust and empowerment. And I think as a founder, you have a notion of how your business is run and how you want it to be run and the quality of things that are to be produced. And I think it's about knowing where to spend your energy to allow your team to have the freedom and autonomy to do what they need to do, but know when to step in. Because of course the business is successful because of you. It's successful because of the lens that you have and the magic that you sprinkle over it. But at the same time, how many times have we seen situations where founders are just not willing to relinquish control because Mm. it's their baby. And I know for me, there was a tipping point where the things that were important to me, which are having freedom and having balance and space in my day and being able to be strategic and being able to support Sophie when she starts in Brisbane, like being able to support her from a strategic perspective. And so I know what's important to me and therefore I know, and I have to kind of manage myself and it's having emotional intelligence. It's having self-awareness, but I have to manage myself to make sure that I am and then jumping into small things being like, well, hold on, hold on, why are we doing this? And I thought this is structured this way. Like you can't do that. Like you have to reach a point where the two things you want, they're running, they're not running in parallel. They're going to diverge. If you want freedom, you can't be in everything. Mm. And so I think that's a piece of work for a lot of founders. I think that's that's what I've had to work on. That's what most people in my situation and most people who run their own business, um, I think will have to work on in order to get to a place where they can. And that's all about hiring the right people, like both Dave and now Iona, who runs our HR and talent division, which I set up after COVID and I ran for 18 months when I handed that over to her, both her and Dave, they were relatively inexperienced for the role that I was hiring them for, but I hired them on fit, on attitude, and I knew that they could step up into it, and both of them have. And I think I'm such a fan because of my experience where I stepped into the role of essentially CEO, director at 27, where I never would have put myself, I had to expand in terms of my capability to fit that role. And so I am such a believer in hiring people, giving them a huge amount of breadth of responsibility and giving them more than what we deem 10% more. Okay, this year you've got 10% more responsibility. Let's see if you can handle that. I'm like, give people 60% more responsibility and they are highly, if they're the right people and you've hired against values, you're highly, highly likely to be able to support them to succeed. And that's where I've had success is by hiring people who I trust and I know we're on the same page with the right things. And then from there, it's like, you've got this. And then giving them a lot more than I think other businesses in the structure of progression would give them. I love it. I love it. I think it's, um, 
I think you've got to make that decision that you want to do that. And then you've got to, you've got to, you know, you got to go, expect to go through a bit of pain. It's not going to be a, an easy linear, you know, Mm-mm. because when you're in control of those sales calls or whatever, like you can manipulate the situations, you can, you've got the skills, you've got the gravitas, you can do things that perhaps others can't do straight away. And I've struggled mm-hmm. with that. I've struggled with that 100%. It's, it's a, it's a challenge, but um, mm-hmm. it's great to see, it's great to see how you've come through it and how passionate you are about the the people in your team. And I think you've got to be, you've got to be mm-hmm. to move into that role. What, what does the future of Lotus look like? So you're, you know, you've been in Australia now for nearly 12 years. I imagine that's not going to change. That's your, is that your future now? Could you ever see yourself coming back to don't tell my mom? Europe? <laughs> yeah. Don't tell your mom. Is it, is it if long-term always be in Australia? Do you yeah. think? Oh, look, it's a million dollar question. I think so. I think after COVID, if you had asked me that in early 2021, I would have said, oh my God, I need to be on that side of the world. Like I cannot be separated from my family. And after spending three months at home, three joyous, amazing months at home, I was also happy to come back, which was hugely enlightening in itself because I was happy to come back. So um, yes, Sydney is home for now. (laughs) Um, You'll never get me to commit, but um, yeah. Sydney's home um, and look the future for Lotus I think we're in a really really strong position I think we've hired the last three or four hires have been a lot more senior we invest heaps in our learning and development we've always been Mm -hmm. so good we have a Lotus way which is so candidate focused so process focused so we've always hired people who are malleable invested loads in training Laura's been so involved in our training programs and developing those with us um, which has been amazing but I think in terms of what the next step is we need a sprinkle of seniority to be able to really um even that out and and we want to get the next 12 months is getting everyone who's relatively newer to the industry getting them up to a point where they're absolutely thriving for themselves and also of course for the business um and i think i was listening to greg savage on on the podcast the other day and what he said and we actually engaged him as well so he does our quarterly board meetings um he's been amazing he's been invaluable um i haven't really mentioned the the split up from sustain but um sustainability were bought out by a um, uk based recruiter so sustainability and sustain digital so i had the opportunity to buy um my shares off them so i'm now 100% owner of lotus which wow. is amazing um which is incredible so so i think yeah everything about what and Greg's been amazing as a supporter kind of in the last in the last sort of nine months 12 months um but what he said on your podcast about choice getting mm. owners getting to the point where they have a choice like we are focused on getting a business that is sustainable that has a good temp book that it gives us the ability whether it's sell whether it's stay no matter what it looks like we have the choice and I have the choice and my leadership team, Michelle, Dave, um, as pe- more seniors step up into the leadership team, people have a choice. And that's really what my focus is. So there's no definitive, we will sell at this number in these years. It's just go with it and, and keep no. growing it and keep enjoying it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause I'm only, what am I now? 34. Like hmm. I'm not ready for retirement. <laughs> I might feel like it some days. <laughs> well, but, you, um, you just get a lot of people who, I mean, I do meet a lot of recruitment founders who say like, they just want to get out of it. They just want to do something else. Like they just not, they don't have that passion for it, but the people that still enjoy it and still enjoy the business model and still enjoy the people around it. I think they're the ones that tend to do better. You know, you're not going to work begrudgingly still, oh, I'm working in recruitment. You're going in going, well, this is my business. I love it. The people are great. You know, we're building something. Um, 
you're yeah. you know you're in that select few i think that that are going to go mm-hmm. far whereas there are people that they see it as purely a cash cow mm-hmm. and that's fine like there's nothing wrong with it but you can't have both you can't have the scalable yeah. freedom and choice and the immediate you know as much profit as possible you can't do both but greg did also talk about scaling with profit and now a lot of businesses it's yeah. all vanity and they don't make any money now you guys have obviously been working through our academy and done some great things on linkedin how do you view that as part of your model because it's always i always find that you you know there's a lot of people who, who are out there that they they still think that linkedin is this kind of like additional task you know they see it as mm-hmm. like if they're not on the phone, they're not working. But you, you instantly embraced it. Your team have been brilliant. You know what? How would you describe your your business's viewpoint towards building personal brands and the company brand and, and how that all fits? Yeah, look, it's been absolutely invaluable for us. I think what we did was we during COVID we really lent in. As I said, we did all of these value ads, all of these webinars, and as the market started to come back, we were front of mind for so many people, and so much of that was naturally promotion on LinkedIn as well. And as I, as you said, we've done the academy and the team, everyone who comes into the business goes through the academy. So it is definitely part of our DNA, I suppose, of how we um, how we do run it. Like we just get so much from it. Every, I get so, every week the team tell me, oh, um, I just met so-and-so client and they said, I love what you guys are doing on LinkedIn. Like people, it's not just new business. I think we always think about new business and inbound leads and of course they happen but also we're just consistently building credibility and awareness with the people who have known us for years and they know what we're up to. And, oh my God, you guys are always going away yeah. and you're always doing this and you're always... And so people almost get like, almost like a reality. The image I just got in my mind there was like reality TV. It's like yeah. people get to have a glimpse into the window of what you're up to and then they buy into the journey and not everyone will, but all of the feedback we get is positive. And so, yeah, look, it's absolutely invaluable for us. I think our challenge, like, everyone's is that I'm 100 I lead from the front like Simon I will happily post every single day I love it it comes to mind so easily it's just how again introverts how my brain works so I'm all for it but of course it's just getting that wider team adoption and even listening to Simon saying that he changed his job descriptions and really went strong with it I kind of that's really been percolating in my mind of like okay what more can we do because We don't like, of course, we mention it in one to ones, but it's not like this is like some of our other things, like the candidate engagement scores that we have, like that is something we would performance manage on if someone wasn't treating yeah. candidates well. So how can we and that's tie what Simon this will do. in? Simon will do that yeah. when it comes to content yeah. and brand, because it is that yeah. you, the thing you na- mentioned about the existing customers, that to me is the goal. That's the bit that mm. people don't don't instantly think about because we've probably already got enough connections in our in our in our network when when we look at this for the first time that would we'll probably feed our businesses forever yeah. um yeah. and 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 i've never met a recruiter who's not who, who won't say yeah I, I could ring my customers more you know and yeah. i'm guilty of it i don't i don't speak to all my clients and uh, all the time i don't i can't it's not possible but i'm so out there that people always feel like they yeah. know what i'm up to you know the amount of people yeah. that have congratulated me on getting married and you know, mm-hmm. they talk about my trips and they talk about all sorts. I, you know, it, it definitely solves it solves a lot of that um, that time issue. And and, and yeah. I think for someone like you who's going to go and step even higher in the business, what about all those relationships you built for years that mm-hmm. you're not going to the business won't really mm-hmm. allow you to ring them every yeah. week. It's not it, it, yeah. it doesn't suit where the business goes, but yeah. your face on LinkedIn can still add so much weight to the company yeah. that. 
others just don't. So I think what you've done is amazing, and I'm I'm so proud to have been part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what what comes next. Thank you. No, it's been amazing, and um, yeah, I know everything we've done with Hock. So like it's it, whether it's the podcast, whether it's the stuff that you've been teaching through the academy. It's and I know when I went through the academy for the first time, it's just like it just resonates. Like it just lands. It just makes sense to me. And so it's everything that we do, we try and be innovative, we try and be progressive, like I want to be, we're early adopters for a lot of technology. And if we adopt it, we'll do it bloody well, like we're not going to half arse it. So yeah, it's been amazing to be able to get the support and guidance from you guys to be like, okay, cool, this is, this is the future, this is what we're doing, let's smash it out of the park. I love it. Final question. Someone yes. is about to launch their agency um, in Q2 this year, whatever. Um, and they're saying, give, just give us one piece of advice. One thing that you've learned since you started Lotus that you could leave for someone to take. Oh, that comes that instantly. I have an answer to that. Build a tribe. The community that you build around yourself is literally the difference of whether you will make it or not. Yeah. Whether that is building really good relationships, authentic relationships with accountants and your lawyers and pick people who you like working with. I love yeah. everyone I work with. I love my accountant. I love dealing with my financial advisor. I look forward to meetings with them. I love strengthening the relationship that I have had um various different sort of peer-to-peer mentoring groups with other women in business. Um, I set up a um, women's agency owner group that's a, been going for years and we still have the WhatsApp going. And that's just women in similar situations. And so the more, and Stella, I know you know Stella, she's in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you can support one another, the more you can create a village around you. It will literally be the difference of success or not because no man is an island, no woman is an island. You cannot do this shit on your own. It is bloody hard and you'll need support from a business perspective. You'll need it from a mental health perspective. You'll need it from an emotional support perspective. And if you have the right people around you that are authentic, and they're there for the right reason, rather than someone on a podcast told you to do it, um, then you genuinely will be able to weather most storms. I love it. I love it. Um, Sinead, if anyone's listened to the show today and they you know, they think I'd love to ask you some questions, whether it be about specifically business related or burnout or anything that we've talked about, if they message you on LinkedIn, is that okay? And you give them a bit of time and help them out absolutely um based on everything i just said yes 100 yeah. it's um yeah. yeah more connections the better amazing um thanks so much for your time the, i can see it's actually gone dark during our conversation <laughs> it's now night time yeah so go and have a, a hot chocolate or whatever and get yourself to bed yeah. but um thanks so much for your um your honesty your vulnerability it, i really appreciate okay. it it's not about this isn't about you know this is an investment deck of how amazing we are. This is about sharing real life stories of the, the good and the bad, but you know, things have paid off well for you and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the future. We'll definitely get you back on in 12 months time or so to see what the update and how Lotus have progressed. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level 
individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. I'll see you soon.